0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. John chapter 16, if you have your Bibles today, John chapter 16, I want to talk to you today about a gift that Jesus gives to us, and I think this is a timely word because it's the gift of joy. I will tell you what, the body of Christ needs joy more than ever before there's a lot of complaining, there's a lot of strife and disunity in the world that we live in, but I'm going to tell you what, we as the body of Christ are called to live in the joy of our salvation, amen? Amen. It was a man who was wanting to buy his wife a birthday present and wasn't sure what to get her. So he made his way to the mall, still couldn't decide, he walked into the department store, he was going by the cosmetic counter and as he was going by, he thought, you know, what, I, I want to get my wife some perfume. So he stopped and asked the clerk, he said, you know, I'm looking for my wife, a present for her birthday, and uh, I want to get her some perfume. And he asked, so what's the most popular perfume? I'd like to see that. So she got in the perfume, handed it to him, and, and he was looking at it and smelling it and said, well, how much is this? And she said, oh, it's $125. And he said, well, that's a little bit much. Do you have something that's a little bit less? So she brought back the same kind of perfume in a smaller bottle, and he asked, how much is that? And she said, well, it's 75 and he said, well, that is still a little bit much. Uh, do you have something less? And So she went and brought back the smallest bottle of the same perfume, and he said, well, how much is that? And she said, well, it, it, it's $45, and he looked at it a moment, and he said, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm really looking for something cheap. Do you have something cheap. So she went, came back, and handed him a mirror. So don't be cheap. You know, the good news is that when God gives a gift, God is not cheap. How many of you know that? He is not cheap because, in fact, God is absolutely over-the-top generous and extravagant in His gift to us. He gave us the greatest gift of salvation, and uh, that's something to be celebrated every single day. And the Apostle Paul writes about this in Ephesians, where he says, in him, we have redemption through the blood of Jesus. In other words, he bought us the price for our forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, which is his excessive kindness that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And I want to talk to you today about one of these greatest gifts of salvation that Jesus wants every single one of us to know and to live in. It is the gift of joy. Can you say the word joy? joy? Yes, joy. And so Jesus is speaking in John chapter 16 to his disciples as we go through the book of John here. And let me tell you something. I just want to applaud you because... We have made our way through the great gospel of John, and there's only seven weeks left after this, of this study. So you have done amazing going through this study, because I know that we're learning together, and I've learned a lot from these passages of Scripture as well. So this is a great understanding that Jesus wants to give us today as he's walking His disciples through a very troubling time. He understands, he cares for them, he knows what they are experiencing, and this is a beautiful picture of compassion and the care of God. We sometimes think that God is so busy with the world that he doesn't have time for us, right? I want you, if you feel that way, I want you to look no further in how Jesus responds with patience and love in putting his own, our needs before his own. In verses 16 through 33, Jesus talks about joy, and it's a gift that he wants to give every single one of us. And we, as his followers, should possess joy. Now, when you look at it many times, we relate many times happiness, which the root word of hap, as we see, is, is this. It's the English that means luck. Happiness is a feeling of delight that you would feel based on on circumstances. Joy, on the other hand, is a feeling of divine pleasure. What it is, it's a divine feeling of well-being that's absolutely independent of our circumstances. So you can have joy in not only the best, but even in the worst of circumstances in your life because we realize joy is not shackled by the circumstances of our life. Can I hear an amen? Joy is a result of what has happened inside of us already through Jesus Christ. And so he wants to give them this gift of joy. We realize joy is full of enthusiasm. Man, when you're joyful, you have enthusiasm. Peter talks about joy this way. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory the joy that the bible is talking about is a joy that is so awesome you can't even begin to put it to words that is what this is about the old testament the word that's used for joy means to leap to spin around it's that idea that you are so happy that you're leaping you're jumping and you're spinning around and when's the last time that you were leaping for joy and spinning around right Because you were so joyful of what was inside of you already. When's the last time you've done that? And how many of you know that joy just isn't reserved for Sunday mornings? Are you with me? Not just for Sunday mornings, right? It's all week long. How many of you want that kind of joy? I do. That's for sure. We need more of that kind of joy in the body of Christ more than ever before. And John tells us in John 16, what it is that produces joy in our lives. So I'm going to give you three things. Three things that produce joy. The first one, joy comes from the Holy Spirit living in us. God gives us a joy that is based on what happens in us. We live from the inside out. If you see a lot of depressed Christians, it's because they are living from the outside in. How many of you are with me? Right? Right? Never encouraged, always low, always depressed. But when you come to understand that the Holy Spirit living within us then takes place inside of us first, then goes to the outside. Because verse 16, he said, in a little while, he says, you know what, you're not going to see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. And then he says that this, some of the disciples said to one another, 17, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you will see me no more? Then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. And Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said? In a little while, you will see me no more. And after a little while, you will see me? Now, in in a little while, in the gospel context here, can mean a few minutes, it can mean a few hours, a few days, and it could be much longer. Now you see me, then you won't see me, then you will see me again. What does he mean? It's answered in verse 17. I'm going to be gone for a little while. Why? Well, he's going to be crucified. He's going to be laid in the tomb. He's going to come back to life, be resurrected, and he will be gone again. How can we see Jesus if he's going to the Father We'll see him because his spirit continues to live inside of us. This is really kind of part two of last week's message where we talked about the extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit that takes place inside of us. That at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and makes us alive, and we suddenly become a temple of the living God. We will have joy because his joy is with us, but also his joy is inside of us. How many of you think that God has joy? I mean, really? Have you ever asked yourself that? Yeah, God has joy. Absolutely. He has joy. And He is going to give them a parable because He understands their temporary sorrow, but their temporary sorrow is going to lead to permanent joy. And He compares their sorrow to a woman who is going into labor and having a baby. He makes this very relatable. Verse 20, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, and you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now, when you come to this issue of childbirth and a woman being pregnant, most men can't give a commentary on giving birth because we don't know. Right, men? The man goes, we're going to have a baby. No, you're not. She is going to have the baby, right? Right? You know, the woman's not having the party, the guys are having the party. The guy, the man, he's supposed to help keep her focused while she's in labor. Look at verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Guys, and just, just by way, just kind of a little warning while she is having the baby is not the time to ask how many more children she and you want to have. Okay, better do that a few months later. Jesus is saying this because he wants his disciples to understand. In other words, Jesus isn't concerned with the why and how long, but with the how and the what. What? He makes clear to them that there's a period of sorrow that is inevitable, and he cannot spare them, and he cannot save them from it. There will be a time, he says, when they will, they will weep and lament and be in sorrow, when the world around them will be rejoicing. But he says, your sorrow will be turned into joy. How long it takes is not significant. The inevitable result is the important thing through it. That is a very important lesson to learn inside of this passage. And I don't know how many times in your life, if you've gone through pain and said, How long, how long, God, do I have to go through this pain? And the Lord's emphasis is strictly upon what is coming at the end, the joy, which is absolutely certain. To illustrate this, He brings this beautiful imagery. Of childbirth. A mother goes through a time of sorrow when her child is being born, but later she re- receives a time of joy when the baby is delivered. Last night we had baby dedications that were here, and for those of you that were here, if you could see uh, those that were in front of us, the parents, that you could plainly see that while their babies were being dedicated, the faces in, on, inside the mother, you could read it, there was joy. They were turned on because there was a moment of gladness. What was causing the joy? The baby. Yet a few weeks ago or a few months ago, those mothers were in anguish and in pain, and their faces pictured that anguish. And what was causing the pain? The baby. In other words, the same thing which caused the sorrow would later be be the cause of joy. I want you to understand this. That is different than what you and I usually think. Most of us assume that our sorrow is going to be replaced by joy. But the promise of Jesus is this. The very thing which caused the sorrow is also going to be the cause of joy. That is the revelation of one of the great principles which marks the authentic Christian life. One of the ways by which our Lord works in each of our lives today He takes the very thing which causes us heartache and sorrow and turns that into a cause of joy. That is remarkable. And God doesn't care how long it takes. We do, but he doesn't. He is anxious only for the increase of joy. And that joy will come from within you. It it will not be due to the circumstances. And as Jesus made it clear all along, It will be due to the presence of the Holy Spirit that is within you. Verse 22, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. No one can take the joy that God has given to you. Well, he made me mad. She made me mad. No one can take away the joy of what God gives you even if somebody has made you mad. Life is tough, but nobody can take away the joy of the Lord inside of your life, right? Because he is the source of joy because of your salvation. That makes it the constant in your life, no matter what is happening, right? It's because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Number two, second thing, joy comes from answered Prayer. This is really amazing. Isn't it wonderful that God answers your prayer? And if you believe that, can I hear an amen? Amen. I am. Verse 23, he talks about this. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. What have they done as disciples up to this point? They've asked him everything. He's been right there. He's taken care of their needs. He's done every, the things that they need even before they even asked for it. Jesus could always be trusted to supply it. Very truly, he's saying, this is big news, very truly. I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. In verse 24, until now, you've not asked anything in my name. They didn't have to because he was right there. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete answered prayer results in fullness of joy it's not that most people's prayer go unanswered it's because most people's prayer go unasked there's a lot of people who never receive from god anything because they never asked him for it the process which leads to that kind of joy is a trustful prayer A resting upon God in the time of your need. That is why our Lord has underscored this for the third time. The key, of course, is in my name. That's what he's saying. Ask in my name. In my name means at least three things I want to break down very quickly. That's a big ask. I want to tell you that. Three things. In my name means first asking in line with our Lord's objectives. To ask in anyone's name means to ask as though you were that person. That that means you you and I are called to ask in prayer what Jesus would want, what he is after, and not for our own desires. It's asking how Jesus would be asking if he were in your situation today. Prayer is a means by which God does through you what he wants, and it's a very necessary part of the process that you pray. James tells us this. You have not because you what? You ask not. You have not because you ask not. Prayer is an integral part of the process. You must ask. But James also says you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Why? Because you want to consume it on all of your passions. And your own desires. Rather, it's to be the objective God has in your life every day. To pray in Jesus' name means also an acceptance of the process by which God works, in which Jesus relied upon. That process, as we know, there's a process there's the cross, there's the resurrection. A cross which represents the end, the hopelessness of everything else, and a resurrection beyond it, beyond that possibly that we could even try to anticipate. That is the way that God works. He is a God of resurrection power. That is why God often pushes us to our limits before he answers our prayer. You ever found that to be true? I sure have require, Lord, why don't you answer? If you could just step in and all this tragedy which is occurring, but God sometimes doesn't stop tragedy. He is a master of brinkmanship. He pushes us right to the brink, sometimes over the brink, in order to what appears to be absolutely hopeless condition from our point of view. He may restore the whole thing, and he will in his time. This is the kind of God that we have. You can expect him to act this way because this is what he says in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. The third element of praying in Jesus' name is to pray independence upon his performance, upon his activity. And here it is, verse 25. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. God is God who is great enough to hear all of our prayers as we pray simultaneously and personal enough to know where you are at and I'm at and what we need, and he's personal enough today to answer every single prayer that we pray in alignment with his word. That, to me, is amazing. Verse 27. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed I came from God. The Father himself loves you. God doesn't like you or just like you. He loves you. The word love verse 27 is not agape that we normally look at and see. It's phileo, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It is that family love. We're going to see what kind of love they have today because there's two in-state rivalries, right? There's the Eagles against the Steelers. And uh, Philadelphians have a strange way of showing brotherly love sometimes, but you know, this is the type of love that your children and my children will get, that they will truly love each other as siblings after the age of 25. How I many you know what I'm talking about, right? But uh, we look at this. He likes being with you and doing life with you, and that will change your prayer life, really. Third thing, joy comes from knowing that God is in control. Do you know what robs many believers of Joy. It's this sense that I have to know what is happening and what God is doing in the midst of it all, right? I've got to know, I've got to know, I've got to know. What will happen, neither of these contribute to our peace and they will not increase our joy. You and I cannot handle the wise and watch. Joy comes in resting in God's care for us. Verse 28, I came from the Father and into the world, now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, that a time is coming, in fact, has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. Notice notice that the security of these disciples rested on the ability they thought they had to understand what he was saying to them. They, they wanted to know, and then they thought they would feel at peace. And he says in here, now we know. They said, now we understand. Jesus had been speaking to them in figures. Where? How? Through the vine and the branches, through the washing of the feet uh, of those that were around them, the, the woman in childbirth and so on. These illuminating figures, that's how he'd been speaking to them, but now you're speaking to us plainly, they said. Now we know and understand that you are indeed from God. They felt a sense of security because they understood that. This is so like us, though, that we think God has to explain what we're going through, and then we'll feel secure, right? That, that our peace wants to rest upon a certain knowledge of what is happening. But our Lord is very careful to point out that this kind of peace is very insecure because here's what he tells them. He says, within an hour, you will be running like a bunch of frightened sheep. You, you say you know who I am you, 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 you say you understand that I came from God and that I know all things. Do you know that within an hour's time you will be so confused and so uncertain of what is happening that you will run away and leave me alone? Rather than trusting in me, you'll forsake me and not even want to be identified with me and, and yet I'll not be alone. He said, because my security won't be threatened in an hour because the Father is with me. And I say this to you in order that you may know the kind of peace that I have for you. And it's not based on what happens, or even on my understanding of what happens, but upon a trust in the one who controls what happens. I say this to you, that in me, that you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble, nothing but trouble, nothing but trouble. Trouble at work, trouble at school, trouble in your home. Trouble in your family? Anyone here short on trouble today? Didn't think so. You'll have nothing but trouble. Because that is really how the way the world works. But he says, be of good cheer because I am in control of the world because I've overcome it. That is the work of the Father. And then this last word, peace, you can have my peace, Jesus says, you can have my sense of security, which rests not in the circumstances, not in the understanding of circumstances, which we so crave, but in confidence that the one who's guiding the circumstances knows what he is doing. This is where our peace comes from. I, I hope you get this body of Christ. Please, please don't let this be just another time. You heard the word and you left this place. He's saying, you can have peace. Peace. And it's my peace that I give to you today. What are you fearing? He says, you can have my peace. You can have my peace in the midst of this crazy world today. He says, I've given it to you. So what are we doing with the Lord's peace? Are we going to try to analyze it, overanalyze it, say, oh, man, this is just crazy. Things keep getting worse. Yep. The the word says that's going to happen. We don't like that. No, we feel that most days. Yes, we feel the evil. We feel all that's going on. We feel the fear of people and and the so many things that are going on and the uprising and the civil wars that happen between people and the the social media and the bickering and the backbiting and the complaining and all of that. But he says, listen, listen, I have something that I want to give you because I've overcome the world and that is my peace I give to you because I've overcome this world. I've overcome this plan. I've overcome all this thing that you're going through. And, and, and there he leaves his disciples in us with these words, and begins to pray. He begins to pray. And I don't want you to miss next Sunday because we're going to talk about what He prayed for, because it's pertinent to the hour we live in. I have some very important things to speak to you next week about this area of what Jesus spoke and what He prayed. That peace is better than understanding. That around you, you can have trouble, but in you, Jesus says, you have peace. And that peace comes from God that you and I might know joy in him. That our own attitudes many times, that we, gets in the way of our joy, doesn't it? Right? What what is it? It's the unbelieving heart that God's really gonna come through. That I'm not gonna make it through this. But, oh my God, look at this election, all this backbiting, oh my goodness, and all of this. Oh, and we get our eyes on the wrong things, and, and, and it takes away our joy. A spirit of discontentment that I'm, I'm never content. And it robs us of our joy. You know? All of these things strife, disunity around us and things that are going on we allow get inside of us God says I provided my Holy Spirit to live within you And that spirit is a spirit of joy that you would rest on my salvation in these days more than in your understanding as men and women but you just trust me we don't have to let this world rob us of the gift that God has given to us and it is an absolute gift of joy that he's proclaimed over us, church. We need to rise above this in this hour. The body of Christ has been called in this hour to have joy. It doesn't mean we don't look at the world and think, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, there is the reality of that. But more than all of that is the reality of the Holy Spirit living within us to give us absolute joy, unspeakable, and full of glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That's where it rests, amen? Amen. Hallelujah, this old world, come on, it's going away. We're we're here for a time, we're here for a season, hallelujah, but his joy will remain inside of us. I pray that you would be encouraged today and you would encourage each other with these words, amen, Amen. that we can as the body of Christ in these days. We, um, We used to sing a song growing up, the joy of the Lord is my strength amen how many of you here know that song you know that song you've sang that song quite a few of you and we asked our a team uh this morning most of them knew it as well the joy of the lord is my strength you need to you need to sing that to yourself and you need to sing that to one another and uh that the joy of the lord it absolutely is your strength you need to do that today amen and we need to be confident in the hope that is in christ jesus this morning Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word that you have given us joy, unspeakable, and full of glory, the Apostle Paul says. that No matter what we are going through today, that Lord, we take the reality of that and we bring it up against the matchless name of you. Jesus Christ, who gives us joy that is a constant above all the turmoil of this world. That God, you are greater because you have overcome this world and we give you the thanks for it in Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's message if you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life you can always find us at myabundantlife.com have a blessed week